Hello, my name is Mark Taylor. Welcome to the Education on Fire podcast network. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Hello and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place where we share creative and inspiring learning in our schools. Season 5 episode 76 hello and welcome back to the education on fire podcast and as part of our pe season i'm joined today by peter council who's as you will know from previous seasons is here as part of our education expert almost like a consultant in terms of of his experience as a teacher and a head teacher and also he is the information officer for the national association for primary education who of course are now sponsoring the entire education on fire network both in terms of this podcast um learning on fire um where i'm interviewing people who are living life on their terms and they're sharing their wisdom and expertise and with with the younger generation and also the actual NAEP podcast which we're producing specifically for the organisation as well. So thank you for joining me Peter. Hi Mark. So let's first um, talk about your experience in terms of PE both in terms of of, as a teacher and and a head um, and and, and some of the things that you could share with our listeners. Well my background Mark is is actually as a PE teacher because when I when I qualified, I qualified my main subject was English, but my secondary subject was was PE. And I worked in a middle school where I was used as a, a specialist PE teacher part of the time as well. And so I had quite a lot of experience of teaching PE to middle school children and then primary school children um, over the years. And uh, I was very lucky that I was alongside people who were very thoughtful. One particular teacher who was really, really thoughtful about um, the way in which PE was was taught. And we used to have really good, interesting conversations about the value of PE and the value of PE, not just as a sports-based thing, but about physical activity, about the impact of all those aspects of PE and sport, which are valuable to life. And, uh, you know, it, it was a really good education for me. And I've carried that with me throughout my career and uh, and hope to convince children that, it, that PE is not just about being good at sport. It's actually got much more to it than that. And to help those children who don't enjoy sports to enjoy PE and help those children who aren't able to take part necessarily. They might be injured or they might be ill or whatever, but still have an interest and to make sure that they are involved and they're actively taking part in in, in lessons and in the possibility of physical activity or sport. I think that's really interesting because having had our previous four episodes in this season, one of the threads that's come through is that whole idea about PE being about the the whole child. It's not just about sport specific, it's about physical education and also within that social education and all the external things that we can bring in as part of the whole. So I'm really interested that you were having those conversations, um, well, it must be a few years ago now as you're now retired. So... um, is it gone full circle, do you think, or is it just the fact that this makes logical sense in order to support children, which, of course, is not based on a time or a period of time? You know, that's just what children need. I, I wouldn't say it's gone full circle. I would think that the people who think about these things have continued to carry those thoughts and still understand that. Sadly, there's a lot of evidence to show that it has certainly hasn't gone full circle because teachers have lost 
that capacity to teach their own, particularly primary school teachers I'm talking about, um, have lost the capacity to be able to teach their own class PE because of the introduction of various things. It's, it's one of those things of unforeseen consequences, isn't it? Because the introduction of PPA into schools, that's that's um, planning and preparation and assessment time for teachers, which is giving them non-contact time in primary schools, which didn't much exist before then. That bonus or benefit to teachers has been managed by schools often importing coaches to, 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 to take PE lessons. There's a, from in my view, there's a, certainly a difference between coaching and teaching, and so I'm not sure that that's a really good move. And in fact, I know it's not a good move to to, to, to do that. Um, and that's actually been barred now by the sports premium, the PE premium. But the 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 consequence of that was that teachers in primary schools often haven't taught PE, and therefore that aspect of the children's learning is not happening in the hands of a teacher and that teachers become unskilled or de-skilled and so I, I think that it's really sad that um, a lot of our primary teachers now need retraining and helping to become confident teaching PE and I think that was one of the things that came out I think Ryan Ellis was talking about that about helping to, to, to train teachers to be to be more confident about teaching PE. I think that's right and I think actually hopefully over these last few episodes you'll really get a sense of if you are a teacher who who wants to teach PE or is teaching PE um, there are resources and, and some of the people that we've interviewed actually can really support you in, in, in if you need a change of mindset or if you need some facilities or, or you need somewhere to start in terms of regrouping all these things um, that there's, there's a lot of material out there and it's it's very supportive to hear such passionate people I think who've actually spoken to me in these last few weeks. Yeah, and and, and I, w- I was really excited to hear people that, that shared views that, that I've held for a long time. Um, you know, people are really thinking about it. And you know, it's by its nature, sport is about winners and losers. Education is about winners. It's about inclusivity. Education has got to be about inclusivity. Sport by its nature is going to exclude people. And so you've got to you've got to bridge that gap, and and PE is the perfect place to do it. It should be about physical education, not about sport, and that that's always been the danger. And so there are um, I, I sit on the board of something called a county sports partnership, um, and uh, the discussion around that body, which is the body that helps to promote sport and physical activity throughout the county, um, but also monitors the use of the PE premium in schools on behalf of Sport England. Um, that body moved away from being a county sports partnership, although they're still called that, to being the sports and physical activity body. And we've now changed our name again to become just about activity. And uh, it's it, it's a really good um, shift in terms of thinking, people's thinking about, about physical activity being much broader than just sports. Because if you just def- can confine PE to sport, then children, a lot of children will be lost. You've got to be wider than that. 
I think you're absolutely right, and I think it's a it's a really important distinction, which has been the strongest thing that's come out of this season, is the fact that PE and sport are not the same thing, um, yeah. and actually understanding the defining features are really, really key. Um, the one thing that I didn't quite get to the bottom of in my previous conversations with people is where sport then fits in or does it need to fit in at all within school? Um, because from my experience as a parent, um, I think that, that as we've been talking about this season, actually educating children in physical education is great and the way forward and the most supportive thing for everybody. However, schools spend an awful lot of time after school or even during school sometimes going to events where there are five-a-side football there's cross-country running there's netball there's basketball um, and when they're into school events often they just take a group of children um, who are picked across the, a range of abilities and they go along and they have the experience of what it is to compete in a sporting event um, and if they're not actually being given any sort of formal training in whichever sport it is they're going to actually take part in, I think that there's a certain amount of that where that's sort of detrimental because um, they've got the physical education learning, but they don't have the sporting learning. And I, and I wonder where how that sort of fits in in your thoughts in terms of the two things together within a school environment. Yes, it's difficult. As a head teacher, it was it was very difficult for me to manage that because I, uh, I I'm, a, I'm a passionate football person, and so you know I was always keen that our football team was was as good as possible. But I was also very conscious of not wanting to exclude children that wanted to be involved, and so we always took the view that anybody that wanted to be involved in football could come to the football practices after school, would be involved. But 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 it was always clear that we would pick the best team that we could. But I would try to make sure sure that everybody got an opportunity to play at some time. Um, very difficult to manage for, for, for schools. Um, and you do get some schools that take the view, well, actually, it's got to be for everybody and it's got to be fair. And I, I, I applaud that. But there is still this element within sport and with other aspects of life where there is competition, where there is elitism. And we have a system in this country and in others where sport, there is elitism in sport. Elite athletes go on to do things like Olympics and world championships and so on. You know, and so there's an inevitability that that's going to trickle down into schools. Managing that within the primary school, managing expectations and managing children's um Diff, uh, uh, managing children's disappointment is is a tricky one. It can be quite tricky. It's probably more tricky to manage parents' disappointment than it is to manage children's disappointment, I have to say, because it's often parents who um, have been shown in the past to be um, very, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Perhaps passionate is the word, um, particularly on the touchline in football, uh, or overcommitted <laughs> to their child's performance. Uh, I, I, as a you know, as a parent, I, you know, I I've also been there and seen you know that desire to see to, to want to see my child do well. Um, as a as a an older parent, um, I've played football, uh, five or five football in on the, in the same games as my son, and still do. Um, and uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't dream of letting him beat me. <laughs> <laughs>
And and I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I guess th- th- there are two things that spring to mind for me there. One is the fact that it's about communication. So if as a school your philosophy is for this event we're going to take a range of children with abilities um, and experience in this particular sport to give them an understanding of what's that what that's like... Um, then everyone knows that's the philosophy that the school may be using. And it may well be that they'll be up against the school, like you say, whose most important um, objective is to win. And therefore, they will have been training and maybe doing after-school clubs. Um, and actually, they're going to pick who they did the They're going to pick who they perceive to be the best people, and their objective is to win. And that's that. There's there's a there's a different environment for each of those schools and those different experiences um and i guess so the expectation of of what the school's trying to do in communicating that to the children and to the parents um is probably the the most important thing but but, but you see as a as a head teacher you have a commitment and an obligation to those children who are the, the more the more elite end as well because by 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 only by, by being totally inclusive and saying we are we it's more important to us to include everybody than it is to produce a team that wins then those children who are really good and i've experienced this with with some of my footballers that we had we just had a cohort of, of children who, were, who got to a national level i would have been doing them a disservice if i hadn't allowed them to blossom as well as they did so it, you know there's always that dilemma I and mean, you know in schools we're always caught with this sort of um difficulty this this area where you're trying to do the best for everybody but you've got some who are going to do better than others you know you all children some children will be better readers than others some children will be better would be fantastic at playing a musical instrument you would want to promote that you'd want to everybody to support that and so what you're trying to do and, and build within the philosophy of the school is the feeling that everybody is 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 striving to do their best and that was that was what we would do is we would we would say in every aspect of school we want everybody to be as good as they can be um and that allowed us to um to, to uh, have children performing in various ways in, in for others in the school to inspire them and and maybe say look you know it's not just about only that child does that but it's you know there are all across the spectrum there are children who can succeed in various ways and you look for that so that others can be inspired to manage to to be the best they can be as well and 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 i think the 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 progression from that is the fact that as you say we all have individual skills we all all have individual talents and that's where the whole idea of having a broad education spectrum within primary education is really important because as you said the more experience you get whether it's within sports whether it's within the music whether it's within the arts generally as well as just the more academic subjects it means that somewhere within there you will as a student hopefully find something which speaks to you and you can you know are the the way that we learn and the way that we develop is to think I like this this gives me something I want to put more time and energy into it so it's it, it, it's time is obviously probably the, the biggest factor there isn't it sort of within sport itself if there was more time in order to be able to promote these things then everyone would have more of a chance to actually progress at their level whereas compared to the amount of time we have for maths and english obviously pe is a, is a lot less than that um yeah. but it, like i said if, if you've got this broad education sense then as we all do you put you put the and you get out as much as you can within the experience you're having whatever that subject happens to be and I guess 
that's as you know as as a nape member and what we talk about on the nape podcast it's that kind of child first idea and so that's why having this broad idea and a focus that we're just giving you the experiences and the knowledge you need to find who you are is is a is a really important way of feeling and, and that fits in within sort of everything we've been talking about really yeah, and for and for some children, you know, it is only you know possibly um, a performance area like like you know being on stage, uh, performing in in some way musically or dramatically, um, or in often in sport there will be children that that just do not manage to to succeed in academic subjects, that they they feel like a failure, but you put them on the on the the sports field and and suddenly they can do it and i've known certainly plenty of children who who academically can't cope with what they're what they're being asked to do for a variety of reasons perhaps cultural background perhaps because they they don't have that um, capacity to to relate to what's being taught perhaps because of you know any sort of reason but you put them on the sports field and suddenly they can do it well it, it what it tells me is that they have the, the the intellectual and the cognitive capacity to do these things it's just that's where it fits and it's you know and so so you you need to give those children the opportunity to succeed even if they're not succeeding academically sadly our school system put so much emphasis on the academic subject particularly english and maths and science that that, that you know pe particularly in sport as and physical activity get excluded from being a valuable thing i think there was there was a, a conversation you had with with one person in one of the interviews where they were talking about uh, parents evenings and and saying you know but, but it doesn't get discussed at parents evenings i think you were saying that weren't you yes i did mention that, that yeah yeah, that, that it doesn't. You know, I don't recall having having often having conversations about about PE with parents. Uh, it, it doesn't come up because you're so busy talking about the important things, so called. Um, you know, like how they're doing in their reading. And the other thing which I've, I find interesting, and and I th- and I think it's been supportive in some ways. Um, is the fact that the introduction of, like you said, that there's the thing about having coaches coming in delivering PE, but I'm thinking more about the more wraparound um, idea where you have um, organisations and coaches coming in doing specific sport-related things, but either as breakfast clubs or, or after-school clubs. Because um, I think one of the most successful things that I've experienced as a parent with our children going through it is that in those environments, because they're sort of self-contained, they've been learning really good quality skills i mean they've you know they've opted in to do it that's the first thing so whether it's basketball or football or hockey or netball or whatever it happens to be they've opted in week on week they've been developing the skills and all the things they need to do that sport um and then these organizations have often then had holiday camps or they've had into school competitions specifically for their organization and i think that's been incredibly successful because it's actually been specifically about the children wanting to do it and having the opportunity to do it and being given the skills to do it and that's sort of that's sort of like an expansion of um of of PE within school because it's slightly one step removed but I think it's been a very positive one my concern is is that's great when you have parents who are able to support children to to do these things but it doesn't necessarily become an option for every child and that's what i think primary education is really important is to give every child those opportunities and i'll be interested to hear what you think about that as well 
Yeah, I, I think that the, what you just described is exactly where the coaching aspect should be. It should be the after-school clubs. It should be um, the um, additional activities that, that children have. There has been some what are called NGBs, national governing bodies, who have been very good in this respect. Lawn Tennis has been one, have had a programme that they had in schools. Um, rugby League had one, football had one as well at one point. Um, rugby Union's done it as well, where they get local clubs, and local coaches to come in and um, spend six weeks, half a term, say, um, coaching a class of children or coaching children during lessons or after school or um, doing a day's coaching with with children or a day's teaching with with the, with the children um, and then an after school evening um, CPD for teachers to train them to help them to get better at coaching the sport and teaching the sport um, so I think there have been some some really good initiatives in that respect but not enough and and it is it seems to me down to the um, governing bodies of those sports to be more forward thinking in putting more resources into developing their sports in schools. But then you have inevitably the competition for time. And that's always a factor. You can't have everything, can't do everything. And, you know, what we want for our children, of course, is for them to be well-rounded. We want them to be able to do a sport. We want them to be able to do um, a musical instrument, perhaps. We want them to be able to do, take part in the school play. We want them to be able to, 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 to develop their artistic skills. We want them to develop their academic skills as well. We want them to develop the whole range of things. You know, education is, I keep on saying, education is bigger than just a school it's bigger than just the school system it's bigger than just the subjects that we teach it's, it's got to be a whole thing a holistic approach and what's important is to start with the individuals the children and and develop the the, the, the as much of them as we can be having a broad and balanced curriculum um, and and having a broad and balanced approach to school I'm just thinking at the moment about the difference in what we have in school, which is and what we offer to children, which is a system uh, and what we should be giving them, which is a service and the difference between those two things. And uh, and I think there's a critical analysis to be done there. Um, I, I love I love that analogy and, and, and I love the passion of all of that. And th this is the reason why I was really keen for nape to be involved as a as a sponsor of this of the education on fire podcast because um we're able to hopefully get out there and people to understand that through their work and the things that they're doing at various levels throughout education that um you know we can make as much of a difference as we can you know and and as we said before the child first starting point you know i know that um you recently have been involved in conversation with ministers and so uh, that very sort of high high level sort of policy and, and conversations about education generally can happen through an organisation like NAEP and we can put these things forward going through um, you know the input that we're able to do on this Education on Fire podcast in terms of supporting teachers with different subject levels and, and ideas of things that are going in education in a very sort of natural way and then and then supporting um, students and pupils themselves you know the Learning on Fire podcast is the third part of this network is there specifically for 
for maybe slightly older um, students as they get into their teens and, and adolescence where they can actually hear some of the great wisdom and advice um, of people that are living life on their terms that despite the system despite what's going on ultimately it's your you as an individual as you mature and you get older that you can make decisions and put yourself in a position to, to live the life that you want to and I think as a network as a podcast network as a sponsor that Nate's been involved with this complete sort of almost top down and bottom up approach of being able to cover all these things bit by bit in every decision we make in every conversation that we have in all of these aspects um, can make a, as big a difference to education and people individually as we possibly can and that's the thing that I find really exciting yeah here here and 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 the, and the learning on fire podcast which you've been doing uh, it it just struck me as I was looking at it the other day how those people that you've interviewed so far how they have found their element and they have found the right place to be and I felt privileged that I have done that in education as well and that and that you know you if you're lucky you do find the right thing in your life to engage with and and it makes life so much more enriched to round this up you know what we were talking before about having this broad education um and 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 having things like physical education and being an integral part of, of what we're teaching yeah. in school so that if that's the thing that speaks to you most you have the opportunity to learn those things um and actually in terms of as we've talked before on all of the seasons about having space within the curriculum for people to breathe you know to learn to ask questions um the conversation that i had with um tony Ude, which i've put on the the nate podcast too about um the the rehumanizing of uh, of education in in terms of having space to um i think he talked about how conversations between sort of elders and, and pupils in terms of having a sort of a back and forth conversation rather than the input of just knowledge and that kind of thing all those things just give us um give our children the, the chance to sort of learn and find their passion and, and then you're right on the learning on fire podcast it really was the sense that all these people have found a passion in a way to embed work and their passion together which seems to be the key thing that binds them all together in order to sort of live life on their terms and and in a way that they want to and that's not necessarily monetary it's not necessarily time it's not necessarily environmental it's a combination of how do I want to live my life and it's different for everybody and it's a combination of all of those things and um, yes as, as we start to grow and, and we start to expand the network and, and, and create more content for you hopefully more and more of these things can come around like that and you can actually feel that we're we're supporting you on all of these levels as we said from sort of the highest kind of educational elements as it were all the way through to the individual and, and we'll be supporting you with ways for you to, to find your element not just in terms of subjects but also in terms of, of um, human skills and, and that kind of breadth of what it's like holistically to be able to give you the strength that you need to really understand what you're about as a person in terms of developing yourself as a teacher but also whether it's you um, as a pupil or a student whatever age you happen to be doing that and um, yeah as I said before it's a very exciting time and I, I look forward to how this all develops and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me with your PE hat on Peter this time as well as being um, an integral part of NAPE too. It seemed to go much wider than P, didn't it? <laughs> as, as we often do but uh, yeah. hey um, if people want to hear much more about um about these sorts of conversations then the place to go is the the national association for primary education podcast because we talk about all those things on there um through education people's experiences and all the things that we're involved in so i i urge you to go and take a listen to to that and subscribe to that as well and uh yes i look forward to, to chatting to you very soon okay thanks mark 
Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.